0: Nisim. it's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you again. It's been, uh, I don't know, four or five years that we've been uh, together and uh, disseminating uh, beautiful culture, Jewish music and the Torah to our brothers and sisters out there in uh, radio land and in uh, internet land and uh, Facebook land and Instagram land, all the lands out there. Hopefully some of them will get the uh, fantastic messages that uh, J.Ru Radio is, uh, uh, is um and it's benevolent sending out to all our uh, Jewish brothers and sisters. Um, you know, sometimes you have to throw a lot of darts in order to hit the uh, hit some targets. And uh, certainly, we're throwing out a lot of darts out there. And we do get a, a lot of great feedback from all you listeners out there. But the best feedback we can get is money. M-O-N-E-Y. That's the most important feedback we need right now. In Kemach and Torah. We have to have the Kemach, the money, in order to stay on the air, in order to continue doing Oh, good job. So give us a pat on the back. Give us some encouragement. Right now that encouragement is a text. Could give us a text. Give us a call. However you can do it. Uh, just send us a little bit of money and it'll show you that you put your ma- money where your mouth is. I know you you appreciate everything you, we're doing, but send us a little money. It's also a tzedakah. You get a mitzvah to do such a thing. You're certainly um, uh, standing, but you, you're tamut. You are... Disseminating and, and propagating and help us propagate and 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 and, and, and continue to uh, uh, give out the Torah. So that is the Tivrit Torah Keneged kulam. Not only to mantra, but, but but allowing other people to hear this Torah is a tremendous mitzvah. So we are living with the Parashat Hashavua as us, us Jews do live. We live with the Parashat Hashavua every week. And we've been doing this for uh, uh, 3,300 years. of living at the Parashat HaShavuah. And Hashem is talking to us from the Parashat HaShavuah. You have to realize that that Hashem's thoughts are in the Torah. And He's giving us, we're becoming privy to His thoughts. That is a tremendous uh, chesed. And the idea is, of course, we should emulate His thoughts. And Hashem is giving us plenty to emulate here in His Torah. We've just finished the fantastic Sefer 'er Bereshit. It was the most voluminous of the Chameshe Chameshe Torah with just a few mitzvot in it, three mitzvot. Of course, our, our Torah, our lives is be Kiddushan We become sanctified with the mitzvot. The mitzvot is the Beriyot. They purify people. They purify us people, Jews. When Hashem gives us Habeh mitzvot, they give us so many mitzvot because He loves us. He wants us to become sanctified and purified uh, through the mitzvot, so over here in uh, Sefer Shemot, we are now being introduced to the the, the Torah of mitzvot, actually, and um, and from here on in till the end of Devarim, we're going to get uh, you know uh, six hundred and uh, so thirteen minus. Uh, minus the uh, uh, three that we got to so 610 we're gonna get in the rest of the Torah so over here Hashem is introducing us to uh, the Shebud Mitzrayim and it's a subjugation it was a terrible a terrible uh, galut terrible galut Mitzrayim and this was a galut that was uh, planned by Hashem everything in this world Hakol Hakol everything is in the hand of Hashem he's planning everything for our benefit, planning it as many as Hashem will tell you, everything is a Everything is a is a test for us. A test to 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 raise us. ness uh, is a banner. The banner, a test is to raise us to improve us. Hashem wouldn't give us a test that He wants us to fail in. That's a, not even that wouldn't even be a test. It'd be a failure. The you go to a you're in school and a teacher gives you such a tough test nobody can pass. It's not considered a test because nobody could pass it. We have certainly Hashem gives us tests in this world that He knows we can pass, and although some of them are going to be uh, going to take a lot of effort to pass, however, when we get finally pass some pass through these tests, we become much better people, more purified, closer to Hashem, and uh, being and stronger people. So, so now in our parasha, uh, parashiyot of the of. Uh, of uh, Shemot Vaera, which we're learning right now, we are we are introduced to the greatest man that ever lived, Moshe Rabenu. Moshe Rabenu, he's our teacher. Moshe that brought down the Torah. Torah at Moshe. Our Torah is called Torah at Moshe. Moshe Rabenu. And, and 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 he's we see him developing in our Torah. And really we don't come to grips with Moshe Rabenu until he's eighty years old. Eighty years old when he comes back from Minjan before that, we don't know too much about Moshe, just a couple of stories, a couple of stories to tell us about his character. His character, when he came out of the palace to save his brothers, he was an Egyptian basically in the palace. He was being raised as an Egyptian and he was being uh, uh, raised to become the next prince of Egypt. So he had all the amenities and all of the uh, privileges being afforded the, 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 the son of the king. Which uh, was tremendous, and he decided to leave that all aside, to leave it in the palace. And uh, when he when he realized he was Jewish, and that that the Jews, the Jewish people, were being beaten by the Egyptians, so he went out there in the street. He left his uh, he left his uh, Mercedes Benz in the palace, so to speak, and he went out to save the Jew, and he actually killed the Mitzri, and that was the beginning of the career of Moses on he went out to his brothers. and he put his lev, he put his mind and his heart on the plight of his brothers. And this is a model for us. When we have brothers, our brothers means the you Jewish people, and they have problems. Maybe they're maybe they're far from Torah. We have to put our, our our hearts and our minds onto thinking about them and seeing ways and means where we can help them. That is what Hashem wants us to do. We then we'll be emulating Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest man in the world. Now, now, they bring us another story there in the beginning to just to give us a, a feeling in our Torah. Hashem's putting in the Torah that one first story. and bring us one more, more story in the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu runs to Midian. And in Mijan, well, first of all, he he goes to the well. He goes by the well. Like uh, a lot of the other greats, our previous greats, went to the well. Even Eliezer went to the well. Even uh, Yaakov Abinu went to the well. So that's where people gathered in those days. They gathered by the well. That was like King's Highway. They went to King's Highway or uh, Fifth Avenue. That was the well. That's where people did business. They did business by the well. Uh, they actually uh, fed their sheep. They, they they gave them to drink by the well. And that's where people gathered and met each other by the well. So. So Moshe Rabbeinu, in, in 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 the homash, he 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 went to the he went to that area to the well, and he 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 realized uh, he was told by the the um, at the well actually he saw he saw uh, he, he he was a shepherd. So excuse me, he was a shepherd. Moshe Rabbeinu was a shepherd. He became a shepherd. He worked for Yitro. Yitro became actually his father-in-law, and. Um, we know we know that uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu came to Mijan and he actually saved the daughters of Yitro because they were being pushed around by uh, by ruffians at the well. They wanted to get some water and they uh, roughed them up. And uh, but Moshe Rabbeinu came to the uh, rescue and he he gave him a, you know a piece of the a piece of his mind. And the daughters of Yitro were saved from these ruffians. So they came back to their father Yitro. And Yitro told him, "Well, what happened over there?" He says, "Well, there was an Ish Mitzri, because Moshe was still dressed up in the garb of an Egyptian. But he was he he he, he never changed to change. He left the palace as an dressed as an Egyptian. Now we—we we do know that the Jewish people—they never changed their, their language. They didn't change their garb and the the shemam, and their names. They didn't change that neither. And that was to their benefit. That was to their accolade. That's how they remained separate. One of the ways they remained separate." That's how that was a very important thing that Jewish people have to do, even till today. They didn't. They don't change their language. They don't change their names. You shouldn't have names like uh, uh, Frankie or uh, or uh, or uh, other other Goyim names. You shouldn't be naming them. You have to keep Jewish names, especially today. Thank God. I think Jewish people are going back to naming. I think, especially the more religious, going back to naming their children with real old-time Jewish names. Yaakov, Joseph, have uh, uh, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob. These are these are Jewish names that attach uh, ourselves to the Jewish nation. Now they didn't change their language, and they didn't change what they dress. We shouldn't be dressing certainly. We should dress like a Jew. When you see a guy in the street and he's dressed a certain way, you should be able to tell that he's a Jew. You shouldn't be wearing certainly certain uh, dress that uh, is uh, identified with the Goyim's dress, what, whatever it is. And that, of course, that changes with the times. It changes with the mode of the times, with the style. And, and we have to stay away from that. So Moshe Rabbeinu came back from the, uh, the, the daughters of Minjan came back from the well, Ish Misri, they thought of the Misri, and, uh, and Yitro said, hey, why don't you come uh, invite him to go have a meal with us? He saved you from the well. Where's the Hakarat Tov? And they, certainly they did, and it ended up that Moshe Rabbeinu married uh, Tzipora, uh, Yitro's daughter, all as a result of the Hakata Tov, that was the suggestion of Yitro. Now, the other story they're telling us in the Torah about Moshe Rabbeinu's character is his Rahmanut, his kindliness. And kindliness is a preface to greatness. How is he? He was kindly even to an animal. Okay. Over Here we see he was kindly to the daughters of, uh, of uh, Yitro, certainly. And he was certainly kindly to the Jew that was being hit by the Mitzri. He was kindly there too. But over here, he's even kindly to the animals because he saw a sheep, a sheep was, uh, uh, he was tending the sheep and one sheep ran ran away from the flock and he saw that, the, what did he do? He picked up the sheep on his shoulders and he brought them to the well to drink himself because he saw that sheep was very thirsty so he was care, he cared for the sheep. Hashem said, oh, you wanted, you could be a good shepherd for these sheep, you could be a good shepherd for my sheep, for the B'nai Sa'el." You could have to have compassion. One of the great uh, character traits for a leader is compassion for people. And that's certainly Moshe Rabbeinu uh, uh, was a chief of that, and the Torah is bringing that out. Now, now Hashem has focused his thoughts on Moshe Rabbeinu and Bnei Israel and Sefer Shemot. Moshe has been elevated by Hashem to lead the Jewish people and redeem them from Yitzrayim. Moshe picked him. Hashem picked Moshe Rabbeinu. Unbelievable. Of course, Moshe came from a lineage of Abraham and Yochevet. Amram and Yochevet. Amram, Amram is nation of the Most High. That's what he was named after. Amram, the nation of the Most High. And his mother, his great mother, named him a beautiful kosher, original Jewish name. Yochevet was his mother, and from this, these great people. Amram was the gadol hador. Came Moshe Rabbeinu, a beautiful. Uh, Baby that came from there, and, and, and he, he rose, and he was picked. Certainly, Moshe Rabenu was picked. He 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 had certainly had of uh, chofshit. He had free will, but Moshe Rabenu was a special neshama picked by Hashem. Uh, he developed it, of course, but he was picked for what for, for, to bring down the Torah, to bring the Jewish people Adam Itzrayim, and get matan Torah. That was a special neshama of Moshe Rabenu, as stated in the Gemara. Now, let's go further. Uh, he rescued the doers. We said that, and now Hashem tells Moshe to go tell Paro that Hashem says to let the Jewish people go and serve Hashem. Of course, he told he told Hashem. Hashem told Moshe to tell Paro Beni bechori Yisrael. Tell tell Paro that my firstborn son is Yisrael. That's a, you know, that's a tough statement to tell. Uh, Paro thought he was the God himself. No. So Moshe Rabbeinu told Paro, This is what God told me to tell you. The, the, The Jewish people are the chosen people. They're my firstborn son. You're my children. Now again, all these ideas in the Torah... They're meant certainly for their place in the Torah, but they're meant for us. And uh, they're not supposed to be in the Torah and you close the Torah and goodbye. you know, it's uh, past the catcher, the please. It's inside. The, you have to open them up. They're alive in the Torah. And they're alive today, no less than they were alive 3,300 years ago. So we have to know who we are. And not that we are saying who we are. Hashem is saying, you're my firstborn son. Now you got to act that way. You have potential that way. There's no end to that idea. And that idea certainly is, uh, over the last uh, uh, couple of hundred years anyway, has uh, gone lost a little bit, a lot, by uh, many of our Jewish brothers who uh, seem to think that it's a chauvinistic uh, thing to say. That maybe it's a uh, racist thing to say. That, hey, you're the firstborn son. Who do you think you are? You're the children of Hashem? You Jews? What about the rest of the world? Say, hey, it's not my fault. I didn't say it. Hashem said it. Now, now certainly Hashem is the he, he's he's um, he's the father of the whole world. But as far as the children of Hashem, Hashem only causes calls the Jewish people the firstborn son of Hashem in his love for them. And now Hashem tells Moshe to go tell Paro to let the Jewish people go and serve Hashem. Now, Messiah Sharim tells us that Paro, Paro himself is the Yetzirah. It's also reiterated by the uh, Rambam in Moren Nebuchim* that *paro* is the Yetzer Hara, co- but of course he is *paro*. There was certainly a *paro*. This *paro* in our in our Torah is not a mashal; he's not an, uh, an allegory. He is an actual *paro*. There was Abraham wasn't an allegory. All these, all of our greats, all these people, they all existed. Moshe existed, not a mashal, not an allegory. Uh, we we learn them as a, as a, as, a, as a true existence. Can we learn certain things from them? Absolutely. They're there to teach us certain um, precepts, certain ideas and ideals. But uh, but the existence of these people cannot be refuted. So Paro was a real person, and he was the despot. He was the leader. He was the he was the ruler of the world. I mean, so ruled the world basically in those days. They they Sinai subjugated the world, and. However, the Messiah is telling us that Paro is the Yetzer Harat It means that means that we have to study Paro, especially in our parashiyot, because his traits, his stratagems, his actions will teach us about the Yetzer That's how the Yetzer Harat gets to us. Now you have to know the first idea is to know that there is a Yetzer and that we taught, we studied last week when we when we reviewed Parashat Bereshit. We know that the the was manifested as the snake. The snake was the Yitzhara, that he bites us when he's in the grass. We don't even know he's coming. The snake is like a snake in the grass. Well, it was a snake in the grass because he's hidden. The Yitzhara is hidden. He's hidden in the grass and he bites us, us, has Shalom. he bites people on their heels. And that venom goes in and you don't even know that when he first bites, it doesn't feel like uh, so terrible. But then it starts to creep up on you. And then finally, it could kill you. That venom, that that poison, that poison that the Etsarar has, that poison that the environment has. It sometimes you don't feel it. You you don't feel it. It's like radiation. Person goes through radiation. He comes out of the radiation. He doesn't feel anything. But if a person gets too much radiation, you, you know, he can he can he can get very sick. It can kill him. In the old days, radiation when they couldn't measure it. Let's say maybe Ma- Madame Curie. I think uh, maybe her and her husband who di- who who discovered radiation by mistake. I think, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, they died from radiation poisoning. So radiation could be a boon, but if it's, if, it's, if it's not curtailed, it could be very dangerous. So the poison also, you don't feel it. You don't feel it, but, it, but eventually the poison of the snake could reach a person's brain and, and murder him and kill him. So just like the Yetzirah, the yitzarara is manifested itself in the beginning of time as a snake. Today, the Yetzirah is all over the place. It's not only a snake. He's all, he's all over the world. He's in, in all kinds of things. He's in the TV set. He's in the iPhone. He's in... Uh, you name it, he's there. So we have to be on guard for the Yetzirah. On guard. 24 hours a day. And Mr. Nashim is telling us that Par'o is the Yetzirah. It needs to be studied. But let's study at least one aspect of Par'o that is obvious that he's the Yetzirah. Well, first of all, we have to know that the Misashim brings down three strategies of the yetzerara that can hold us back from perfection. And those three, three strategies are, number one, bad company, hevrara bad company. A bad company, a bad friend, is terrible. You have a bad friend, it's, it's awful. That's why you parents out there, you have to make sure you know who your children are hanging around with, especially when They're young when you could be, uh, you know, when you can be influencing them, uh, when they're you know 25 years old and you tell them they, they shouldn't hang around with so and so, it's going to be quite difficult to, uh, to, to get them to listen to you. Uh, but at at five, six, eight years old, and you can separate them from such a uh, friends that you feel are a bad influence on them, that's certainly a, a very good time to exert your influence on your children because bad company. Bad ideas from bad company, bad character traits we're talking about here uh, will ruin a person, ruin a person. And th- those characters come from Hebra, Hebra Says, um, Adam Nimshach. Rambam says, Adam Nimshach. A person is drawn reotav, his friends, and his environment. No matter what, it's gravity. You can't do nothing about it. So, say person well, uh, you know, uh, I can go to such and such environment. It doesn't affect me. I can go to Las Vegas. I can go to uh, certain beaches, certain places. It doesn't affect me. So, so, so that, that's, a, that's a very big mistake. I can go to Sleepaway College. I can go to University of Florida. I can send my kid. He's 17 years old. My daughter, Haspa Shalom, she's 17. I'm going to send her to University of Berkeley, California. You know, she's a good girl. I raised her. I raised her to be a good girl I raised them you know I I, I told them had them from good from bad that's what these parents say they're, they're crazy parents I told them good from bad I don't you trust your kids I trust my kids I'm gonna put them in a cesspool so I trust my kids and I'll put them in a in a um, in a sinkhole in in, in, in in quicksand I'm gonna put them I'm put them in the in the in the zoo. That where the animals don't have any bars and they can come out and kill you. But I trust my kids. Why are you going to put them in a dangerous situation? Because the par- those parents are liable. Those parents are ruined. They're ruined and they're going to ruin their kids too. So that's called bad company. So you put the kids in that kind of situation of bad company and you are going to, don't be surprised when they come out terrible. Terrible. They come out, they don't believe in this, they don't believe in that. They think there's evolution. They think there's. A, they, they start putting on tefillin. They eat unkosher. They do. Then you say, well, why? why? What happened to them? Because the, the because the parents really have uh, uh, raised them and have no idea. Parents want them to be like them. The parents are probably the same way, so they want them to be like them. So that's bad company. That's chavraraah, adam nimshach. A person is drawn after. say Also, his environment and his friends, no matter what. That's gravity. So we have to make sure we have to put our Ourselves firstly in the best environment that we can, and the best environment is the Beit Midrash. You have a couple of good friends. You just hang around with them. They have the same ideals. You go to classes with them. You go to classes at night. That's a good good environment. Now some people I say, well, where's where? You know, what about fun? I want to have some fun. Well, you have to change your definition of fun. It's a lot of fun when you go and uh, exercise your mind, intellectual exercise. And you have your soul get happy by hearing the Torah, hearing a concept that you haven't heard before, realizing that you can get on the on the, on the bandwagon, and you can become like a you can become a chacham by, by learning from chachamim. Haolech a chacham Person that goes with chachamim he becomes wise, but a person goes with fools. if He goes with the TV set. If he goes with people that are in, in colleges he becomes a fool just like them. And that's why we're saying bad company is one of the uh, ways that a person can be ruined by bad company. Second way is le'tsanut. Le'tsanut is a terrible thing. It's a terrible character trait. Le'tsanut means scoffing, joking, jesting, always making light of anything. That's called scoffing. Le'tsanut. Le'tsanut means a person that takes what's important and makes it not important. And what's not important, then he makes it important. He takes. For example, let's say he comes out of a uh, uh, comes out of shul, the rabbi said a lot of good, important things, and then he comes home and he says, well, the rabbi said, uh, what did the rabbi say? Nah, he said nonsense. So he makes something important and he made it not important. Now his children hear that on the table, and they, he, he just ruined his children. Because his children now think whatever the rabbi says, it's not important. So I, what, do I have to, what do I have to go listen to something that's not important for? So then that is a, that is a, 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 a way down into failure to failure but if a guy takes what's not important but takes what's important that makes it important for example he, he he takes these important concepts and says oh and he holds them up on a pedestal and he tells his children well, you know teach tell me something you learned in school on shabbat tell them tell me something you learned in school and they tell over a beautiful concept that they learned in parashat shemot parashat feira uh, you know and then, and the and, and the father tells him, "Wow, I don't know, you're doing great. I love that. That's a beautiful thing you're telling me. Would you? you know, they're teaching you really good in school. That is showing that you that you appreciate important things. But let sanut, to do leitzanut is uh, scoffing is a terrible, terrible thing to do. To make fun of good things, good people. Why? Because you're uh, jealous. You can't. You can't reach that level. So of course you can't reach it. You just want to knock it." It's called a knocker. A guy's a knocker. He knocks all good things. But the third one is what we're going to uh, touch on that's uh, that's akin to par'o. That's called tipul ve tirda. Being too busy. A person's too busy. It's like a person, he owns a 7-Eleven store and it's open 24 hours a day. So he's always uh, checking in on the store. Hey, he's never. He doesn't, he doesn't have a day off. It's open seven days a week, 24 hours a day. He doesn't have any time to think. So... So this person he is too busy to do to learn too busy to think too busy to review too busy to see what he's doing with his life he's just too busy so paro what did he do he said the people wanted a day off he said oh let's we're gonna go three days into three days to go worship hashem so paro says you know why you know what you have too much leisure time on your hands i want to make you busy so i'm going to take away the straw to make the bricks you gotta make the same amount of bricks. And now you're gonna be very busy to make straw. When you're too busy, when you're so busy, you won't have time to be thinking these idle thoughts. Because why? Because you'll be very, very busy. So this strategy of being too busy that ya- that part was utilizing is also a strategy of the Yetzera to make us too busy to think, to do good things. Too busy. So Moshe gives excuses. Why? Gives Hashem's excuses. Why uh, Hashem should pick someone else? You know, Hashem picked Moshe to go take the Jewish people out of Egypt. And Moshe kept coming up with excuses. This I can't speak well. I have a problem with my lip. I have, uh, you know, he was, you know, uh, what about my brother? My brother's older than me. You know, he, he he deserves. I don't want to hurt his feelings. He had a lot of excuses, and Hashem finally, you know, Hashem told him, well, "Don't worry about your speaking. I took, I, 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 call. I'm the one that." Controls people's speech. I can, I, I, I uh, put in speech to people. I can certainly fix your speech. I can do whatever you know. As far as your brother's is concerned, he's going to feel very happy for you. I know he's going to be happy for you. You know, and uh, and so, so he, his um, his humility. Moshe was very humble, and uh, but that uh, there's it comes a point where it can be too humble, and Hashem is telling you to do something. You can't let your humility stand between you and what Hashem is doing. Is, is telling you to do now hashem had his plans for moshe and moshe couldn't refuse i asked the rabbi this week you know uh, about this that moshe uh, refused to do what hashem wanted to do and of course the rabbi the rabbi told me that moshe was liable for this and because he refused and didn't do what Hashem wanted to do he lost out he lost out become being the kohen gadol which aharon became the kohen gadol now hashem says that he heard the cry and the prayers of the Jewish people, Nakatam Shamati, from all the oppression and the torture that was done by the Mosheim, and He will keep His promise, by ability and I will keep my berit to the Avot. You know, He made a berit to the avot, made a promise to the Avot that after 400 years, that the Jewish people are going to come out with Berichush Kadol, with a lot of treasure. You now they're going to come out with. With gold and silver and all the possessions, the Mitrim. Of course, this is you know this was a uh, portent from Abraham Avinu himself when he went and he was when he went down to uh, to Egypt to get food. Abraham and uh, and not to get food. and he went down he went to get food and they kidnapped Sarah, so he went uh, he went to Paro the Pasara, and Hashem brought. Brought plagues on Paro, brought Negaim, he brought boils on him, brought the leprosy on him. Of course, this is a portent that Hashem is going to bring plagues on the Misraim and Misraim. And what did Hashem finally do? Hashem, not Hashem, Paro, Paro gave Abraham Avinu, he made him rich, made him wealthy. He gave him a lot of money, a lot of money, and there was sheep, he gave him a lot of sheep, maybe gold also as well. And he he told him, he gave him a lot of sheep, so Paro, which is Menach Mitzrayim, they left, Abraham Abino left Paro's house laden with wealth. Not only wealth, he also left with Hagar. Hagar, that's the Erev That's a portent to the Erev Rab. Hagar was, was an Egyptian princess, and she ended up marrying Abraham Abino, so you have to know she was a very special person. Very special. She was the top student of Sarah, and she was converted, certainly, and she had she had children from Avraham Avinu, so she, so, so that is, that is a parallel to the erev rav, the erev rav, were Egyptians. There were one million Egyptians that were left with B'nai Yisrael from Mitzrayim. They took note of the ten plagues and they made the best of it. And they saw that God is running the show. They said, I got, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to hang out, lose my life in Mitzrayim. So I'm going to go join the Jewish people. And that was a very good thing that they did, a great thing. And they were, it was so great that they merited to be on Harsinai and, and to hear the Ten Commandments. That was the Erev Rav. They were the converts. Of course, they did cause us a lot of problems throughout history. However, they made a big, great choice that they made. So Abraham Abinu was, uh, was, was in Mitzrayim, as we said. And, and this were all portents of what happened to the Jewish people leaving leaving, uh, Isra'im, that was the promise of Abraham. Now Abraham, Hashem made a promise to Abraham Avinu that your children are gonna be slaves here for 400 years. That was a very tough uh, decree. 400 years, Abraham Avinu said, how am I gonna know you're gonna give, how am I gonna know you're gonna make, you're gonna give me all this land? Hashem said, I'm gonna give you all this land over here. How am I gonna know? So he says, you know, I'm, your, your children will be gonna be uh, slaves here 400 years, But at the end, they're going to be released with all this rechush gadol. Of course, the best rechush was the Torah. That was the real rechush gadol. When it says, I'm going to have a big treasure, that's the Torah. Not this money and the flocks and the sheep. The big rechush, the biggest rechush we have in this world is the Torah. And and we know that the Jewish people didn't serve for 400 years. They served for 210 years because of uh, a few factors. One of them was that the Paro worked them too hard. He worked them so extra hard that they got credit for uh, an extra couple of hundred years for that heavy work because Padua didn't pay him in the first place. He didn't pay him nothing. So, 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 actually, Padua owes us money. He owes us money for all that heavy work that we did without pay. Now, the rabbi asked a question, a big question, you know, Hashem heard the cry, as we just said, and then he remembered Beritiva, his quote a Biriti. Now, now, what do you need to cry for? If Hashem has a Berit, he has a covenant, you know, what, do we need to, what does he need to hear? Any kind of cry at all? Isn't his promise good? And is his uh, contract good? The covenant, isn't it good enough? So the rabbi explains that the covenant was contingent on the crying out, the prayer. Without the prayer, it would not go into effect. The truth of the matter is, that is our purpose in life. Our purpose in life, Hashem is bringing out our purpose in life, and that's to cry out to Hashem. That means to be aware of Hashem. And that's our perfection. That's that's Hashem mitaveh. The tefillatam sheil Sadiqim. God is, 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 God is a, he, he loves ta'va. he has a ta'va. he has a love for the tefillatam, the prayer of Sadiqim. and Hashem brings Sadiqim problems sometimes. Why? Because that's their perfection. That's when they cry out. That that then then that is that that shows that there's somebody out there that's listening. That's the whole idea. The idea of life is to have Yirat mind to know that there's somebody out there listening and that he can do everything for you. So sometimes we need uh, a reminder. Most times we need a reminder. And that reminder should bring us to cry out, to pray, pray hard, and to talk to Hashem. I need your help, Hashem. I am I need this, I need that, I need children. I need good children. Whatever I need, you have to cry out to Hashem. And but of course, the best time to cry out for good health is when you have it. When you have good health, say, Baruch Hashem, thank you, Hashem. I have my health. This is health is wealth. Have good health and God keep me healthy, keep me well. Every day you walk on the street, say, Keep me well. I shouldn't be ill. Chas v'shalom. Keep me well. Keep my wife well, my children well. Keep everybody well. This is the, the best prayer. And say, I want to thank you, Hashem. Thank you for keeping me well. Now, Hashem tells Moshe in the beginning of Parashah, Ani Hashem, and that this special name was not known to the holy Avot. Now, what does that mean? Now we know the Avot, no they were very close that had Devekut. they were very close to Hashem. And the rabbi explains that this special name of Hashem, of Yud Kir Vavke, denotes Hashem of the people of Israel, Am Yisrael. Hashem Elokei Yisrael. Yudke Babke. Of course, it's Hayah <speaking in> Hovei <Hebrew> it's forever. And it's, but it's Hashem, when they say Hashem, Yud Babkei, it's Hashem Elokei Yisrael. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu. Elokeinu, our God. Elokei Yisrael and nobody else's, he's ours. Hashem Elokei Yisrael, this is Hashem, and the Am um, Yisrael. And the Abot, uh, that time, had no army, Israel. They had just a small clan. They had a couple of shiva, a few shiva teams, seventy people. It wasn't considered an army, Israel. wasn't considered a nation, and therefore Hashem did not reveal that name. Of course, they they knew all the names, but the name of Yud Kevav Ke was a name that was reserved for the nation of Israel. Now, now we have to know. That's why you know they ask a the question. Well, well, the Torah was. Why, why didn't Hashem give the Torah to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Certainly they were great enough to get the Torah, but Hashem wanted the Torah to be given to an Am Yisrael, to a multitude of people. And Hashem waited for the Am Yisrael to come out of Egypt and to go through the refining furnace, the kur habarzel, barzel, that they were refined, that they had emunah, they had the 10 vitamin pills of emunah, the 10 plagues, they saw it. And then they were on the level, on the level of accepting the Torah with the Rachamayim. And they had a big multitude of two million Jews and one million erev rav, so about three million people. Two million ben Isrim so there was a there was maybe five million, but from twenty to to twenty to sixty men, there was uh, two million two million Jews, and this is called an am. This is called erev am hadrat melech. Hashem is, is 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 being given respect when there's a multitude, a multitude of nations to give that kavod, takadosh baruch Now, the name Hashem is the most sublime because it includes the second most important doctrine in Torah, and that the first greatness, the first greatness of the Am Yisrael who fulfills the purpose of creation. So the second most great doctrine is the greatness of Am Yisrael. Who Hashem Hashem is the greatest, and number two, number two is the greatness of Am Yisrael. Mm-hmm. And the purpose, the, the parents of Moshe Amram Yochabit, are introduced in our parasha, And Hashem is showing us that the great people are usually a result of great, great parents and lineage and upbringing. Yocheved is also known as Shifra. She raised. She risked her life to save Jewish children because she had the She went against the decree of Paro. That's because of the irachamaim that she had. We now. We have to know that the exile in Egypt was planned by Hashem. This is a very important uh, idea of it was planned. It was, this, this was not an exile that necessarily was. Uh, a, a, a punishment, so to speak. It was planned, it was a, a preparation for Matantora. The Navi calls it the Kurha Barzil, the iron furnace. The furnace was purifying, sifting. Only the best going to get out. Only the best. Four fifths didn't get out. Only one fifth were on Matantora. And this is it, an iron furnace purifies the gold. Only the purest gold with the highest levels of Imuna were able to merit. Receiving the Torah and hearing Hashem's voice, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, only one fifth were able to merit this. Four fifths were very great, but not great enough for matan Torah experience. Now we're preparing to learn about the Eser Makot. Elo Eser Makot, Baruchu, He brought them on the Egyptians. That's the first. That's the first lesson. He brought them on the Egyptians, not on the Jews. The Jews were Eres Goshen. So we see over here an open uh, that Hashem is protecting the Jewish people. That the Jewish people were not affected by the 10 plagues, only the Egyptians. That's an unbelievable thing. We have to notice that. And this is the number one first miracle of the Eser Makot. You must keep in mind that the purpose of these Terul Makot, which were all miracles, the purpose is for everything, purpose, and that is the purpose for everything in the world. Hashem is running the world for Am Yisrael. What for? So that we gain daat, awareness, more and more real feeling and emunah. That's called emunah hushit. That's why Hashem is running everything in the world in order for us to gain daat. Hashem as the purpose. That's called yedetzirat shemaim. Now, now we have to now in the. We have to know that Hashem could have killed the Egyptians in their sleep. He didn't have to bring ten open miracles to kill the Egyptians. He, he could, they could have gotten pneumonia, and that was it. No, But these miracles weren't to kill the Egyptians. They, of course they're going to die. These, the Egyptians were murderers. But he brought ten open miracles in order to to uh, uh, raise the, the level of consciousness of the Jewish people. Those miracles were ten vitamin pills of Imuna. And that's what that's what plagues that You have to know, Hashem brought ten, placed us to gain daat and to prepare us for matan Torah, in order to know Hashem. And Hashem says over here, in order that you should know that I am Hashem Bekerev haaretz. We learn the purpose. We learn the purpose of all the miracles, not only in Egypt but throughout history. The open demonstrations of Hashem's presence come to teach that even when not openly visible. Yet it is Hashem's presence that constantly fills the world and maintains the existence of the world and manages all the events of the world. Which the Ramban tells us in in, uh, Parashat Bo. Just as these miracles were wondrous demonstrations of Hashem's deeds, so are all the natural processes and all the events and even all the objects are demonstrations of Hashem's deeds. We learn from, that's the Ramban, from the big miracles we learn that the small miracles are also being done by Hashem. Every process or object or event is a wondrous miracle. And it is solely due to the blindness of habit that men fail to recognize the miracles that constantly fill the world around us. A process like a, a cut being healed. A process like like your hair growing on your head. Why should it grow? You have a haircut, why should the hair continue to grow? A process like uh, a person getting taller, getting a baby getting taller. All the processes, basically, when he's born, he can't see too much. Now he can see. Persons in his hearing, same way as a baby in his hearing, developing, process of developing. All these processes that are, millions of them, are demonstrations of Hashem's deeds. And we have to, in order for us to recognize that Hashem is filling the world around us. Seeing is a miracle. Hearing is a miracle. Thinking is a miracle. Eating and digesting are miracles. We digest food and the waste. We keep the good stuff, and the waste is being... Uh, uh, sift it out of our bodies that waste is, is not if we kept it in it would be poisonous the birth of a child is a miracle an enzyme is a miracle DNA has all the encoded information on the DNA of, of a person it's a miracle a chromosome is a miracle and an atom is a miracle and thus every miracle is intended for the purpose to demonstrate Ani Hashem I am Hashem always in the midst of the world and that every phenomenon should be studied to discern that in it, the miracles of Hashem's wisdom and power and kindliness. We have to see those three things. Wisdom, power and kindliness. The rabbi taught that the ten plagues were especially brought by Hashem for Israel to gain yerat Shamayim. As it states, Mishpatav. He is Hashem, our God, and all the world are His judgments. That all of the happenings of the world are only brought by Hashem in His capacity of Hashem, our God they are caught with 10 vitamin pills of emuna for the Jewish nation in order for us to gain a sensory perception and a heightened awareness of Hashem, the God of Israel, the only one we can depend on. Now the first plague of, is the blood. The plague of blood. The rabbi writes that the Nile River was a magnificent blessing which brought food to Egypt. But because it was misused for pride and blind arrogance, this great blessing becomes a curse like all wealth and property that the nations misuse and thereby go lost. Israel was looking on and learned and learning eternal lessons that were intended for them. Now we have the plague of frogs, noise and smell, very noisy and smelly, and had poison in it too. The giant toad. Rabbi brings the fact that this is called, this is a giant toad, the Bufo Marinos. It was even, even able to eat birds. This giant or birds and small animals, this toad over there. And these plagues did not affect the Jewish people. It's unbelievable. Now, this plague of the frogs came with it many different uh, uh, problems for the Egyptians. It had noise, it had the smell, and they, were, they were inside their stomachs, inside what they ate, inside everything. The frogs were all over the place. Now, we have the plague of lice, the kinim, was the Ezba Elohim. It was the finger of Hashem. They couldn't, they couldn't duplicate these plagues. You know, it's a funny thing that they duplicated the other plagues and it brought more problems on them. They were frogs. They brought more frogs on the people. That's it craziness, right? You have frogs that are infesting the country and they brought more frogs. But the lice, they couldn't bring any more lice because it was, it was too small. And they, they said, oh, this is a plague of Hashem. There's Hashem in the world. When they told Paro, it should have it was it was the finger of hashem they meant this they meant there was also they 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 meant that there also was a hand which would bring disaster on egypt not only this is the finger of hashem but there's also yad hashem yad hashem is going to be in the kriya Suf. yad hashem it's the hand of hashem now we come to the Aruv. arov Arov is means mixture it's a very queer name because Arov over here they're talking about wild animals mixture of animals now the truth of the matter is, Hashem makes made the world in such a way that animals don't mix. Like a baboon doesn't mix with a giraffe, and a crocodile doesn't mix with a with a with a rabbit. Animals don't go uh, mate with with animals uh, outside their own uh, species. Cows don't go with uh, mate with um, with uh, rabbits neither, because that's the way Hashem made the world. Of course, today the world's upside down, and things are things are all. Uh, Things were all getting crooked in the world because people are making it crooked. But Hashem didn't make it that way in the beginning. People are ruining the world. So now, this plague is called Arov. Arov, again, is a funny name. Should have been called Chayot Raot. Why Arov? uh, could have been called wild animals because it's trying to teach the Jewish people Arov means to mix. And Hashem wants us to learn the great lesson of not to mix that the Jewish people have to have a Havdalah. They shouldn't be mixing with the enam Yehudim. That's what causes the problems in the whole world. The problems of the world for the last thousands of years, when the Yehudim mixed with the non-Yehudim, and and then they had the intermarriage and things like that, and, and it causes Sin'a and Kin'ah and all that kind of stuff. of causes the mixing. It causes the wrong kinds of ideas, the wrong kinds of Hashkaford. It's the mixing. And that mixing, Hashem is giving us the... Model over here that these chayot was a mixing and its mixture is not good. And we have over here the next plague is the derber, pestilence that De- the animals died, but only their animals died. The mitzrim, the animals of the goyim, they died. The mitsnim, they died, but the Jewish animals they didn't die. When we listen to the commandments of Hashem, we're protected, and the ones that though we're protected from the outside world, we're protected from many many things, many illnesses that we don't even know. Of they that, that even uh, uh, were being exposed to, were being protected from. That's our emunah, 100%. So, so um, this is the David when we brought our animals inside. We, our animals were not affected, and and there, therefore it gives us a very big lesson that that Hashem is watching over us. Now, of course, by the Barad David, by the by the Barad by the shechim, before we have the Shaheen is the boils the boils the rabbi writes Israel was not disfigured by the sores of the Shaheen they were not disfigured that that was also because they are beautiful in the concepts of mitzvot and in the national in the mind they are beautiful in the concepts of the mind they're not accepted they're not affected the good people of Israel are not disfigured by the sores of the Shaheen because they are beautiful in the concepts of the mind, in the natural practices, and in their qualities of pra- personal practical, personal character. The Shilashim tells us, you are beautiful, my beloved, said to his people. Now, let's go and close off with the hail, the barad. We have to know the barad, the hail, was a very extra special um, plague. Makkah. There was a hail and there was fire flashing amidst the hail and nothing similar was ever seen in Egypt since Egypt became a nation. We all know that that the hail was um, fire and ice mixed together. The fire, the ice was on the outside and the fire was on the inside and when it landed, it caused all kinds of fire and and, and, uh, fires and also destruction and it uh, broke, it was very heavy, big fat hail and it broke buildings and so on and so forth. And and we must be aware that each one of the ten plagues were intended for the purpose that everyone was intended that we should know Hashem. But, it, but for this, it was necessary also to discredit all the false gods, as it was said at the final plague, and upon the, all the gods of Egypt, I shall do judgment. Each plague was an attack on some idols' efficiency. This hail was not merely ice but also stones heated by the great fire among them. Thus this hail was unique not only in Egypt's history but in the history of nations. For this uniqueness was not merely in the size of the hailstones and in the intensity and duration of the hail but unequaled in the fact that they were very hot pellets of solid stone. Falling from the heights these heated stones acquired a great velocity so each stone became a deadly missile that destroyed whatever it struck. The entire land now this is a quote the rabbi quoted from the papyrus at Ipua. You can look it up. Papyrus is like a, a, a cloth. Papyrus is a cloth, leather, what they used to write on. At Ipua is a place. It was, it was discovered in Egypt. There was a uh, a dig that was discovered that they found these this cloth that was uh, written by an Egyptian sage that was the witness to the Eser Makot, and. And it's, it, 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 it lines up, right up against the S M quote. So he said the following, he said, he said, the tree, quote, trees are ruined, no fruits, no vegetables are to be found. Grain has perished everywhere. The land is desolated. Gates and columns and walls are consumed by fire. This was composed by an Egyptian sage. Only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel, there was no hail. Thus, it was demonstrated, not only that the hail came from God, but it came from the God of Israel like everything else in the world. So we're learning from the SMR court that there's that 10 vitamin pills of imunah and Hashem is running the world for the Jewish people. Have a great day.